DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is going on sale now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, coming up this morning, we've got tons of jazz talk. We've got Dan Sheldon joining us here momentarily. We've got Tim Lacombe. Joining us at 8.30. And PK, we've got the last regular season home game tonight. Your level of anticipation for this baby? High. About a nine. It's not a playoff game. You can't give it the ten. Agreed. I can understand that. Especially with Phoenix losing. And so they don't even have to win if they win the next two games beyond tonight. They'll be in first place. Yeah. So I mean that doesn't uh, add to it, but I mean they want to win. This is a, this Port- Portland. It seems like Portland has been in this place for twenty years. <laughs> they're a good team, but they're not going anywhere. But they are a good team. Good, but not great. A guy who watches them on a regular basis joins us now. Dan Sheldon, host of Talking Blazers with Channing Fry, former Channel Two sportscaster. Dan, good morning. Good morning. Sounds like you've got Neil O'Shea sitting next to you based on the last part of the conversation I heard. <laughs> good but not great. Time for Terry Stiles to go. Let me find somebody else to save my own job. <laughs> yeah, I, never, I don't think that. No, I, I've heard that. I'm not one to be firing coaches just because. And it seems like if they were to make a change with Stiles, it would be just because. I mean, they're, yeah. they're a pretty good team. There's no question about it. But they yeah. they don't seem to be able to get beyond being a pretty good team. It's not a bad spot to be in, but you know they're tough on, on any given night. They can beat anybody, that's for sure, and they could probably beat anybody in a series. But they don't just seem they don't seem to be one of the elites. And I've heard the deal about Stotts, but I don't buy it. You don't buy what? You don't buy that he's going to get fired, or you? Don't no, I don't buy he that he fired. should be fired. Gotcha. Well, so yes. All that stuff is true, and and the part of it, though, is that, you know, another element to it is that very few times have they had their full complement of players who haven't gotten hurt where it's like, oh, if only. You know, there's always been that if only at the end of it if Yusuf Nurkic stayed healthy the whole season. Because you look at it right now, Nurkic has a year left on his contract, and he's the, the big unknown when it comes to what's the ceiling for this, this current group of guys just because he hasn't been healthy enough. Uh, they've, they've played 29 playoff games since he's been with them. He's played in 10 of them. And they're one and nine in those games, which he's actually played in the playoffs. So this is the put up or shut up time for him. He's got a year left on a contract that he thinks is poo poo. That has twelve million dollars left on it for next year. That's why he switched to Rich Paul uh, within the last year or two. You don't switch to Rich Paul because you're happy with your contract. So he's looking for big money. He's looking for for something bigger. And so this is the time if they want to, you know, avoid unrestricted free agency after next season. They got to. He's got to show big things in the playoffs this year. And then sign a, a big extension this this summer, and that would be you know everybody's big happy plan. And Terry Stott saves his job in the process because Neil Shea's looking around. Jody Allen's like, well, yeah, Jody Allen's in the PK mindset of we're really good but never going anywhere. What's the deal, Neil? And Neil's looking around like, oh, well, I got him, Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington, and you know traded for Norman Powell before the deadline. So uh, Terry, what's your deal? And so Terry's like, well, Derek Jones Jr. can't stay healthy, and I don't like him very much. His net rating stinks. And so we got Norman Powell, and really it's just stunk since Norman Powell came on board, and Derek Jones Jr. has basically found his way out of the rotation. 
So they've got Powell. They've got that, that threesome that's done a really great job, that trio. Uh, but, but they don't have necessarily something they can hold on to when it comes to their biggest problem, and that is defense. Now, this, this most recent stretch, these last nine games where they've won eight of nine, all of a sudden the defense is like 11th in the league, and that's like cause for celebration because up until that point, it had been last or dead last, depending on what frame of time you're looking at over the course of the season. And that's been the big head-scratcher. How come the defense stinks so badly? And it's because they don't have a lot of very good defenders on the team, especially uh, on the wing. And so that was the thing that was going to get Terry Stotts fired. It was, Terry, what's going on, man? You can't figure this thing out with your defense. And really, it's not so much about him not figuring it out. It's that he really seems unwilling or unable to find somebody from the outside to come in and help it help him fix it and do it for him. He's been uh, extremely loyal to his guys, and I don't think he's made you know great hires, and maybe he hasn't been, been given the money to make greater hires when the rare opening has, has been there on his staff. And so that's been the big thing. It's like, where is the other person there that you can lean on to say, okay, that's who's going to really fix your defense, or that's who's going to help you be more imaginative offensively when people get the ball out of Dame or CJ's hands on every possession. Those have been the issues because everything else is fine. It's that when they take away your bread and butter, what do you do next? And Terry hasn't always been proficient at proving he knows what to do next. You said many things there that if you just change some of the names, uh, the, a lot of those phrases have been used to describe the Jazz with one big difference. Uh, talented but small backcourt offensively really gifted, vulnerable to big athletic wings that are really long who you don't match up to because nobody matches up to Kawhi and LeBron, right? Uh, The difference is the Jazz defense hasn't had the issues the Blazers have, and the Jazz have Rudy Gobert anchoring it. I'll bet if Rudy Gobert was anchoring the Blazer defense, Terry Stotts would be able to figure a few things out. (laughs) Captain Obvious, right? Uh, But I just wonder... The small backcourt and struggling to match up with the best, most athletic wings, which, to be fair, the whole league struggles to match up with. And those guys had their pick of anywhere, and they picked L.A. They don't pick Portland, and they don't pick Utah, and they don't pick Denver and San Antonio and uh, Sacramento and on down the line. So how much do you think the frustration the Blazers have had? And they've had some thrills in the playoffs. But the frustration they've had also, how much do you think the Jazz are lined up for that despite the record? Because I know from texts I get from you that you still follow what happens here. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, you know, but honestly, to to me, the Jazz are a great unknown, even though I pay attention. Um, To me, the Jazz right now kind of feel like the Golden State Warriors of whatever the year was before the first championship. I'm losing track of time in my old age. You know, it was like I, I would I would keep, you know, watching these games. And, you know, when I was on the, the talking ball, the host of the talking ball panel post game for the Blazers shows, I'd say, look, you guys, the Warriors are for real. I don't care about their offense. Look at their freaking defense, number one defense of the league. That's what's going to carry them. They are the real deal. And I was like, that's ah, the Warriors, whatever. I feel like a lot of those, things, those same things are true with the Jazz, where everyone's like, ah, yeah, we know this story. We know who they are. No, you don't. This is like, dude, this is different. This is a different variation on what you think is the same old story, and it's going to come to fruition. That's why everyone right now is jockeying to avoid the Lakers as if they're the, even the same team that we saw in the bubble. They were hermetically sealed in the bubble, perfectly pristine to be able to do what they did in that bubble to win a championship, and then they go back out into the wild, and to me it's rather predictable what's happened to them in the wild. They're, they're older, they're creaky, and the travel has gotten to them, uh, which is what would have happened had they been outside the bubble uh, last summer. 
Um, so, so to me, the Utah story is a bit different in that I see a lot of the same characteristics, not exactly obviously the same style of play, but a lot of the same characteristics in what the Warriors were before they went into their kind of mini-dynasty mode. Not to say that Utah is going to be in a mini-dynasty, but I think people are just in wait-and-see mode with the Jazz because they don't quite believe it yet because they haven't seen it before. You're right. They're not going to be in mini-dynasty. They're going to be in maxi-dynasty, Dan <laughs> Sheldon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, it could be. I'm not. I'm. I'm not putting it past them. I mean, I think there are plenty of elements there, including the stability. You know, it's like it's like for so long Portland has had stability, where for many years they didn't. You know, it was all of a sudden guys would. I, I got here um, about. Uh, I I'd kind of split up my tenure. I left Utah, and then I kind of hung around for like a year in Atlanta. Then I moved to Portland, and within six months of me being here, Nate McMillan all of a sudden got fired on a bad road trip. I'm like, what? 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 Oh, yeah, that's right. That's how the real NBA works. <laughs> the coaches go on a bad road trip uh, because, you know, Raymond Felton and Jamal Crawford don't want to play for a particular coach who's been there for five or six years. So the coach goes and not the player. I forgot what life was like outside of the state of Utah in the NBA. Um, but, but no, yeah, I, sure. I think, that, I, I think that, that now all of a sudden Portland has been the picture of stability because this trio of Terry Stotts, Neil O'Shea, and Damian Lillard is in its ninth season together. And uh, we're kind of shaking our heads like, I can't believe they've, they've lasted this long. And a lot of it, the credit goes to Damian Lillard, because if he was unhappy at any point along the way and expressed that publicly, or at least even to ownership, uh, one or both those guys would be gone. Um, but he has always been a guy who has, who has loved and embraced stability, and everyone knows how many times he's double, triple, quadrupled down on the notion of staying a trailblazer his whole career. Uh, but he's one of the reasons why stability has been achieved for as long as it has been here. Um, and then now it looks like um, above him, they're just getting tired of it. Uh, the same old, same old that, that PK was talking about off the top of of good but not great. And now, oh, look, look out because Dame's uh, prime, you know, is not too much longer in front of us. We've got a couple years left before he starts to to tail off. And now, what do we do to try and sneak a ring out of this whole deal before it implodes on us? So, aside from the old, uh, you know, finger pointing game, what are they going to do? <laughs> Just point fingers. I, I, I mean, come on, well, change, change of the coach isn't going to make your wings bigger, longer, and more athletic. No, but we have seen in recent history where you know all of a sudden a quick change of the coach has resulted in, in a team winning a title. So I don't know if he's going to wave his magic wand to Olshay yeah. and, and find somebody like that. Um, has anybody to, to, to has, has anybody noticed what Nate McMillan's doing in Atlanta? Speaking of quick changes. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, he's actually been on the short list. <laughs> he's been on the short list of guys that they supposedly are looking at that I've seen uh, across the league when it comes to potential uh, successors for stuff. So that has been people have taken note at least in, in these parts. I don't think anybody who has been around that long and it hasn't been that long. It's been a decade, but who remembers the Nate McMillan era was like a, a version a, a 2.0 of that. Um, but but certainly a switch towards defensive minded would be in order because the feeling would be that no matter who you put in charge of that offense, Lillard and company will figure that part out. <laughs> it's really about somebody who can help them figure out team defense as opposed to somebody who can switch up this offense. So I can recall earlier this season that Lillard was saying, and you would you'd probably identify exactly when, they would, when they came up against the better teams in the league that they didn't have enough, and I sensed some frustration and I don't remember what it what when it was, but I know that he said it. Uh, and yet here they're on this hot streak. So is this hot streak legitimate? Because if it's legitimate, 
and what they're doing now, and you speak of the improved defensive rating and the things that they're going, and uh, pretty much, uh, you know, outside of Collins, who seems to always be injured, that they're basically at full strength, or at least of the players who are available to them. So can I believe in this? Uh, the reason, the one reason I might believe in this is because of Yusuf Nurkic. That's been the, the real key in what's happened over these last nine games uh, on both ends of the floor. Uh, if you watch, because up until this point, you know, speaking to the defense, like nobody was afraid. No guard in the league, no wing in the league was afraid to find their way into the paint. They would march right in, do what they wanted to do to the Blazers uh, on, on defense and find their way to the rim and either complete the, the play or, or go to the foul line. And that has changed, and that's because of use of Nurkic. Um, he's still not in great shape, for my, you know, as far as how great he's been over the time he's been in Portland. But he's he's found his legs, and and he is stopping shots, he is altering shots, he is making people think twice about venturing into the paint, and that's been the huge difference. Uh, everything else is not necessarily window dressing, but you know, Robert Covington has been really good defensively, um, but he's not an on the ball stopper. You know, he's not going to be like like uh, David was talking about with with LeBron or Kawhi on the wing. He's not going to individually stop those guys, but he's a great team defender, and he can get his, his hands in, in the passing lanes. He can cause deflections and, and, and muck stuff up, and that's what you need. Uh, now the question is, are the, the other three guys going to get taken advantage of? Norman Powell's a, an okay defender, but I thought he got a little bit more credit than he deserved for some sort of defensive reputation, the shine that kind of uh, came with him as a Toronto Raptor. He's been fine, but he's not a defensive stopper either. They don't have that one-on-one guy. It was funny going back to the bubble. You talk about the lack of defensive stoppers across the league for the guys like LeBron and Kawhi. I remember early on the Lakers series, not granted they lost the series in five, but very early on they had Carmelo on, on LeBron. And even though Carmelo has no business defending LeBron, because of, like I don't know, their personal relationship, LeBron refused to completely destroy Carmelo. <laughs> it was just like, why is he being so passive with Melo on him? So it's like sometimes it's not even about like I guess with LeBron how good you are defensively it's how much does he like you because apparently if you put Melo on LeBron at least in short stretches he won't just dominate you uh, so so maybe that'll come into play if that were to, to play out at some point in the playoffs again with whoever has to defend LeBron but but for Portland's from Portland's perspective they don't have that stopper they don't have that guy they can count on to even you know, cause uh, friction and, and resistance on the perimeter for these guys. But they do have that guy now in Yusuf Nurkic down low who can clean up the mess. And if he keeps doing that, not that they're going to keep winning eight of nine games at this clip, but that's what gives them the shot. That's what makes it seem legitimate is what he's doing defensively right now. And, and offensively. They're the number one offense in the league over the last nine, and he is operating in the high post and just, you know, doing it old school like uh, Marcus Solanus Prime or Arvita Sabonis where he's just you know, hanging the ball up high and letting his guys cut around him and finding the best uh, guy to, to pass it to. He's that good of a passer, and he's been doing that offensively as well. So the Blazers have had a couple of four-game win streaks, and they have won eight out of nine. But how much of that was scheduling? Because before that, they lost five in a row when they were playing the Clippers, the Nuggets, and the Grizzlies beat them twice. And then they heat up because, well, they finally beat the Grizzlies on the third try, and they got fed Brooklyn without Durant, Boston with all their issues. Cleveland's no good. Houston's no good. The Lakers were shorthanded. Seems like it was mostly scheduling. And Atlanta, who's playing really well, is the one team that beat them in there. So is it really yeah, just kind of schedule? No, it's true. No, schedule's a big part of it. Schedule's and not to be uh, denied. And, and uh, Anthony Davis still played in that Laker game. <laughs> so there was at least one, one solid Laker out there in that victory Portland had. But no, and on top of that, and I don't know what the three-point percentage has been over this stretch. I had it pulled up a second ago. 
Um, but but it's also been a situation that even when the defense wasn't wasn't clicking at all for them, it was all of a sudden they were down by nine with four minutes to go, and it's like, well, this game's cooked. They they stink. You know, we're going to be talking about why why they can't figure it out and, and why uh, Terry Stotts would be fired tomorrow. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, Dame, Carmelo, and CJ go like eight of nine from three in the final four minutes, and it goes from a nine point loss to you know they're beating the Sixers by eight, and it's like, well, wait, 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 what just happened? And all of a sudden, this game turns on its head because they can also do that. They can also just get crazy hot from three and turn a game completely on its head within the span of two or three minutes. Um, and so that's a lot of what you can see at times when it comes to them picking up wins that you, they shouldn't otherwise be picking up. And over this stretch of nine games, they are shooting 43% from three. So, that, so that's the, the best shooting, the most accurate team from three over this stretch as well. Uh, so, so it's all come together for them in that regard, along with a weaker schedule, to allow for this to occur. It wasn't preordained. They had to go out and do it. Um, but certainly the schedule did help. Uh, so Oakland Athletics uh, have permission to look around, and I think the first <laughs> thing everyone does is assume Vegas. I have read about Portland. Are you, are you, are you personally going to build a baseball stadium, Dan? Or do you know somebody who's going to? Or is that just um, talk? So we've been waiting forever. You know, this, this, this uh, MLB to Portland movement, the latest one that's been around for a few years, years now, that has been legitimized by the presence of Mike Barrett, who was the TV voice of the Blazers for about a decade, uh, who's now been doing this for the last several years. Um, you know, he, he keeps throwing out these, these things about, oh, you know, look out right around the corner. There could be some big announcements that we're going to be having. And you believe him because he's a legitimate voice in person, and he doesn't just throw stuff out there that, that isn't at all true. Um, but they still have not let us know who the big whale is. <laughs> we don't know who the big money man or woman is behind this whole effort. Uh, we know some some side players. We know some guys with some decent cash, um, but we don't know the, the big whale. And a lot of people, some people are assuming it's Oracle, uh, Larry Ellison, um, other people, somebody in the, somebody else in the Bay Area that could fork over this amount of cash. Uh, I think someone once proposed this theory to me that I love is that it's Howard Schultz, and that he's waiting for his name to be kind of cleared so that he could do something like this without people freaking out and turning on the whole effort. So I would love for Howard Schultz all of a sudden to show back up on the scene in the, in the Northwest and own the, the Portland baseball outfit. But we still don't know who that name is, who the, who the potential owner of this team is. And um, I hope that name exists because otherwise they've been selling us a, a bill of goods uh, for a number of years now without any real true promise at the end of this whole deal. Um, but but the, the name will be in the mix, and it has legitimacy in ways that it hasn't had in previous iterations of this effort. Um, but look, they've got plans for a stadium, but they haven't begun the process of building it. And to me, that's another element of it, is that you just got to start building. If you have that much belief and you have the money, build the freaking thing so that when Oakland is looking around, I know you're going to be the bridesmaid a bunch of times, uh, but, but eventually you got to be there and have the facility ready to go because who's, who can just say, okay, we're leaving for Portland, We'll see in three years. We, they can't wait that long. So, you know, and the, the stadium in, in St. Pete, that got awful facility, Tropicana Field, I think that thing stood dormant largely for the better part of a decade before the Rays finally showed up uh, and started playing baseball. And, you know, the Giants had threatened to go to Tampa Bay over that time, as well as several other teams. Eventually, you just got to build it and then eventually hope that they come. And they're seemingly not willing to do that quite yet. He's Dan Sheldon, host of Talking Blazers with Channing Fry. Dan, thanks for coming on the show and talking about the Northwest and the Blazers and the Jazz. We appreciate it. I uh, love talking to you guys. Appreciate it. 
DJ and PK coming up. Tim Lacombe's going to join us at 8.30. We got the question of the day. Got a couple versions of the question of the day, and we will get to that next. One jazz, one not jazz. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.